say this. You might say, "Well, Mel, I'm not a father. I'm, 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 I'm a woman. I, I, I'm a single. I, I, I'm not a dad." These principles can apply to your life as well. Maybe uh, some of you are in the younger stages of your life. I see my newly married daughter and son-in-law in the back. They had a pandemic wedding. They were married during the pandemic. They were scheduled to have the wedding. They canceled it. Then we did it anyway up in Newport. And maybe one day you'll have some kids that will be my grandkids. You never know. So you have to listen to these principles as well, Brennan. And uh, being an impactful father, right? But these principles are so universal. Any one of us can apply them to our lives. What we want to do is make an impact for Jesus Christ. And that's what our talk is about today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 112. Now, it's not easy being a dad. I get that. All of us have failed. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have sinned. But the great news is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know that there is forgiveness and a second chance and the opportunity to be more like Jesus every day. That's why we talk about amazing grace here at Riverview Church. We sing about it. We talk about it. God's amazing grace. And for all of you dads, and maybe some of you dads, your kids are grown up. Now you have grandkids like Vern here, like Dave, grandkids that you can impact for Christ. What are some ways in which that can happen? Uh, Yesterday, my wife and I were invited out to a lunch uh, with a new neighbor in our neighborhood. And my wife knows a realtor that sold the house to them. And she called my wife and said, hey, I'd love for you to meet this new couple. They have a three-year-old son. Love for you to come over and have lunch with them and hang out with them so they get to meet some people in the neighborhood. So we did. And we were having lunch, and they have a cute three-year-old boy. We have six kids, obviously, my wife and I. The realtor and her husband were there. They have a few kids as well. And the dad asked this question. He said this. He goes, hey, you have grown-up kids. Tell me, what should I do so that my kid is successful? What advice would you give me to help my kid be successful? And uh, right away, the realtor and her husband started to share about their kids and how they, their one daughter was involved in so many different things and had, had been involved in the basketball team, the tennis team, had been involved in some clubs at the school, had done very well academically, was sharing about this amazing daughter they had. And I was like, wow, that's very impressive. And then I was silent listening to it, and they finished talking, and I turned to the guy who asked the question, this new dad, and I said, you know, I've been thinking about your question, and I have a question for you. You want to know how your child can be successful. The question I have for you is this. What do you think I asked him? Bingo. Exactly, Vern. I said to him, what is your definition of success? It's because, see, if you want your son to be a world-renowned surgeon, and that's your definition of success, for example, then the path is pretty clear. This is what you need to train your kid to do, to be great in school, to get great grades. That's what you are pushing with your kid. And they'll go off to a good college, and they'll go to medical school, and they'll study hard, and you will push them in that direction if that's your definition of success. So I guess i got to ask you, what's your definition of success? And he just kind of like, and I said, I had already told him I was a pastor. I said, you know I'm a pastor. 
So my definition of success is this, that every one of my kids would love God, would love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. If my son or daughter became world-renowned surgeons, wealthy people but did not know God, I would feel like somehow I was a failure as a dad. What is your definition of success? And I want to ask you today, what is your definition of being a successful dad today? Same question for moms. Same question for young people. How do you know you're successful? My challenge to you would be to say this. I know I am successful if somehow my life has been used to glorify God. If somehow my life has been used to point people to God. And that whatever gifts and abilities he has given me, I've sought to do them in a way that honor Jesus Christ. No matter what you do in your life, you've sought to honor Jesus Christ. And I know raising dads can be hard. It can be difficult. I'm reminded, one of my favorite stories with my son, this is back in Illinois when he was seven years old, the same son that was playing the guitar up on the worship team today. We were out in front of my house. It was a warm day like today. And we were playing every sport known to man. I was having this connection time with my son. We have a basketball hoop in our our, our driveway. We were shooting hoops. Then I had a Nerf football. We were throwing the football. Then I got out the gloves and baseball. We were having a catch with our gloves and mitts. And a great time. I spent like two, three hours in the hot sun playing with my son. I thought, oh, this is a great dad-son connection time. And sure enough, in the heat, a, a, a van came by ringing his bell, and that was, you know it, right? The ice cream man, the biggest thief you'll ever see in your neighborhood. I mean, every ice cream is $23.50, please, right? And of course, my son wanted an ice cream, and I'm like, hey, yes, son, come on. Let's go over. You and me, dad and son together, we're going to buy an ice cream. And we went over to the truck, and all these other kids are running out from the houses, and there was a line behind us. He stopped right in front of our house because we were out there playing in the front yard, and I bought my son, like, what one do you want? That one? Okay, we'll take that one. Uh, that'll be $25.40. That's a little more expensive. Okay, here it is. Twenty-five forty, and I'll take the cheapest one, the little ice cream sandwich. How much is that? Twelve fifty. Okay, twelve fifty. So he ripped us off, and he's ripping off all these other kids as we sit down and eat our ice cream. And my son is eating his ice cream, enjoying it. And I'm thinking, father-son connection time, so good, so good with my son. And as he's eating the ice cream, the ice cream truck drives off, and he says, "Dad," I said, "Yes, son." He said, Dad, yes, son. I love, what do you think he said? I love the ice cream man. I said, what? The guy who just ripped you off? I'm the one playing with you for five hours out here. Sometimes the moments you think are so good with your son just seem to backfire somehow. Being a dad is not easy, and I get that. But it's an amazing calling that we've been called to. That's why I love Psalm 112. Let's look at this passage. It says this. First of all, he starts by saying, praise the Lord. Don't you love that? Hey, be a person that habitually praises the Lord. You love to praise God. You know, we're sitting here in this beautiful place, God's creation all around you. Have you uh, sat here and thought, God, you are awesome. 
the trees, the grass, the flowers, the sky, the clouds, everything you've created. I even said that to um, the young father yesterday. I said to him, one thing I would challenge you to teach your son is that he would know that there is a God who loves them. And in spite of what he will be taught in public school, that all of this happened by accident. My challenge to you would be to teach him that all of this happened by the power of an almighty God that knows his name, knows everything about him, and loved him enough to die on the cross for him. That's what your son needs to hear. That's what he needs to hear. We want to be a church that praises the Lord. Amen. Every time we come together, would you come ready to praise the Lord? Dads, would you come leading your family in praising God that you love to praise the Lord? Then he goes on and says this in Psalm 112. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Now, you probably know this already. Fear is not this terror of God. I'm so afraid of God. That's not it at all. I define fear as an awesome respect. I had that for my dad. My dad worked on the oil barges in New York Harbor. He was basically a floating gas tank. He immigrated from Norway, got his big break when he worked for Exxon Mobil on an oil barge, became the captain of this barge, and they would pull up alongside of large ships in the New York Harbor and refuel them. He'd be gone for four days at a time, come home one, gone for four, then home seven. So with me, my dad was either totally absent or he was there all the time. Feast or famine. But I knew when my dad was away, if I was ever disrespectful to my mother, he would hear about it and he would take appropriate action. (laughs) I can't tell you what the appropriate action was. But I deserved it. Whatever he did to me, I deserved it. But I loved my dad. My dad, I had an awesome respect for him. I knew that what he said was important, and I should listen to it. And I loved my dad. I loved him. There's that kind of relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. He's a perfect Heavenly Father. And what he tells us to do in his word, we should love it, right? God, I have this awesome respect for you, and I delight in his commandments. Dads, young men today who are going to be dads, men who are grandfathers today, live a life that delights in the commandments of the Lord. The first principle is really this, connect deeply with the Lord. That's what I see here, someone who fears the Lord who delights in the commandments of God. How do you do that? You you start thinking differently. You, You train your mind to think differently than what the world trains you to think like. You read the word with enthusiasm. Let me ask you folks today, when was the last time you read the word of God for the sheer enjoyment of it? Now, I can't wait to sit down and read the word of God. To be fed by the Word of God. We're so cautious about what we eat nowadays, right? Eat healthy food. We don't want to have this. It has all these chemicals in it. It's got to be organic. We're so careful about what we feed ourselves physically. Do we have that joy about what God has given us as an amazing meal every day that we can feed ourselves with spiritually? Men, we need men at Riverview Church to step up and delight in the commandments of the Lord. Your kids know that you love the Word of God. Your kids know that when you have a problem, you turn to God first. 
You look for the plan of action to face this problem, to face this challenge in a way that reflects the Word of God. Amen? So, men, today, dads, connect deeply with the Lord. Connect deeply with God. We need to see that permeating Riverview Church. Men that connect deeply with God, they are not ashamed of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It does not matter what the world says. It does not matter how much they mock us, how much they place these very hateful labels on us. We will connect deeply with the Lord because we're men of Christ. We're Christians. We're followers of Jesus. And we delight in his commandments. And I get it. The world does not like the commandments of the Lord. Doesn't like the advice and commands that God gives. But we all the more have to stand up and say, there's so much wisdom in it. I'm amazed today how common sense is out the window. It's gone. But the word of God directs us. Men, dads, delight in the commandments of the Lord. Fear the Lord. Be a person that follows the Lord like that. Then it says this in verse 2. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. What that tells me in verse 2 is this. Pursue setting a godly example. What happens is this. When you live a life that delights in the Lord, your offspring will be blessed. The greatest blessing, the greatest legacy you can leave is not a massive bank account. It's not. The greatest legacy you can leave your kids is someone who loves the Lord. Someone who lives for the Lord. And you do it humbly. You're not doing it in a prideful way. You do it realizing how fragile and frail you really are and how much you need the Lord. And there's a confidence like Paul had that he learned from his thorn in the flesh that when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Why? Because you're not relying on your abilities. There's this reliance on God. God, somehow take whatever strength I have. Take whatever abilities I have in spite of my frailties and shortcomings. God, somehow allow them to be used by you to impact the lives of others, especially my kids, my wife and my kids. See, beyond connecting deeply with the Lord, we need to pursue setting a godly example. Do you have that as your goal? I want to set a godly example. I remember being with a family, uh, going to the movies together. And uh, the dad realized that his son had just crossed the age where he'd have to pay an adult ticket, right? So he told his son, don't tell them that you are this age. Tell them you're the younger age so we can pay for a child's ticket instead of an adult ticket. Now, when I heard that, I thought, it's amazing how cheaply we sell our integrity, amen? For a few dollars, we're telling our children it's okay in certain situations for you to lie and be dishonest. And you've just sold your integrity as a dad that you're willing to lie and be dishonest. Look at all the different ways in which you can set a godly example and say, Lord, give me the wisdom because I get it. It's hard. It's hard to constantly set that good example. But God, give me the wisdom to do it. 
to live according to your standard. He says here, the offspring of this person will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. That we would set a good example for our kids. So important. Then it says this, verse 3. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. What he's basically saying is this. There is a blessing that comes when you set a good example. When you live for the Lord, there's an abundant life that happens. Now, I believe in the Old Testament, there are many examples of God blessing the Israelites with uh, great crops, with financial wealth. And I believe the Bible tells us this. In the Old Testament, God did physically, by blessing them, giving them a land. We know in the New Testament, our promised land is not a physical land. It's a heavenly land. He would bless them if they followed him. He would give the country wealth and prosperity. Under Solomon, the country was wealthy. And God demonstrates for us in a physical way what he does for us in a spiritual way. There's a doctrine out there called health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine. We've talked about this before. There are a group of Christians that say, if you follow God and you have a lot of faith, God guarantees you will be wealthy. Now, first of all, that's not in the Bible. Secondly, that plays pretty well here in America because we're a wealthy country. But if you're like me, I've been to countries like Honduras, Bolivia, Dominican Republic, some of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere. And there I have met some of the godliest people I have ever met in my life. And they had absolutely nothing. But they had an abundant life. They had a joy that the world cannot give because they knew Jesus Christ. All they had was a cardboard house, dirt floors to sleep on. You know that after years of being in Mexico, right? Howard's how many years? 28 or something like that. Years of being a man. You see it all the time. People that have nothing but love the Lord and have an abundant life. That's what Jesus promised. I came that you might have life, he says in John 10, and that you might have it what? Averagely. Is that what he said? Mediocrely. No, he wants you to have an abundant life. Husbands. Live for Jesus. Delight in his commandments. It's the best opportunity you have to have a godly, abundant marriage. Moms and dads, know this, and that's the third principle, that God's path leads to an abundant life. That's what he's saying here. God will bless you. He doesn't guarantee wealth. It may happen. And as we know, there's nothing sinful, inherently sinful about money. It's amoral. It's a tool that can be used to glorify God or a tool that can be used to serve ourselves. So it could be either good, used to serve God, or evil, used to serve our selfish desires. But God promises an abundant life. And if you want to get to the end of your life and not say, man, I wasted my life. I had all these opportunities to make an impact for God, and I wasted it. I was, I was busy doing my own thing. I didn't use my gifts and abilities and resources to glorify God. I, I believe impactful fathers know this. God's path is the path that leads to an abundant life. I'm reminded 
of a dad, a good friend of mine, who was offered a substantial increase in salary by uh, a possible promotion that if he accepted it, he'd move up the company ladder and he'd make a lot more money. The problem was that position demanded a lot more travel and time away from his family. He said to me, Mel, I could have taken the position. It was a great position. would have offered me a lot more money. The problem is this. I would have been gone from my family a great deal more, and I turned down the position. I said to him, George, you made the right decision. You made the right decision because your family needs you. Young kids, traveling away from them, uh, not being home for them, you made the right call. You've placed your priorities in your heart where you believe. Now, I'm not saying that taking that position for some of you, maybe some of you say, man, I could still work it out. But for him, it was clearly going to compromise his time with his family and also hinder his ability to be an impactful dad. I love when I hear those decisions. People want to give up physical benefits, financial benefits for the sake of their family. Then it says this in verse 4. This impactful person is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Now, look at that passage. Look at that verse. I tried to think of one word that would summarize a person like this, right? He's gracious, merciful, righteous, deals generously. He's very generous with others. He lends to others if they need it. He always conducts his affairs with with justice. When I think of a person like that, the word that came to my mind was kindness. Dads, that's my fourth challenge to you today, that you would be a dad, an impactful dad, that would treat others with kindness. You'd be kind to your wife. There'd be, yes, a standard that you set for your kids, but there's a kindness with your kids and others. An impactful dad who makes a difference for Jesus Christ to treat others with kindness. Now, sometimes we do our best to help, and it, it kind of backfires, right? Sometimes that happens. I'm reminded of the story of a young boy who was playing in the playroom of his house, and all of a sudden, he burst out into tears. And the mom and dad ran in, and like, what's wrong? He goes, I just swallowed a quarter, and I'm going to die. I just swallowed a quarter down my throat, and I didn't mean to, and it's down my throat. I'm going to die. And the dad goes, no, you're not going to. Yes, I am. The quarter's down on my side. I'm going to die. Just this young five, six-year-old boy. And he's crying, and the parents couldn't calm him down. So finally, the dad realized he had a quarter in his pocket, and he secretly took it out of his pocket, and he did one of these magic things where he made like the quarter came out of the kid's ear and said, hey, son, I got it out for you. And the son stopped crying, and he looked at the quarter, and he took the quarter from his dad popped it in his mouth, swallowed it, and said, do it again, Dad! Do it again! (laughs) Sometimes your best efforts, (laughs) sometimes your best efforts to help out can backfire, right? They don't always turn out the way you want them to. But don't be discouraged, Dads. Keep acting with kindness. Reach out to others who have needs. Show that kind of quality with your kids and other people around you. That's what the Word of God says here. You're gracious, merciful, and righteous. You know, I believe it takes a tough man to be a kind man. It takes a tough man to be kind. To see the needs and the lives of others, to put others in front of your own needs. But it's exactly what Jesus 
did for us. So treat others with kindness. Then it says this in verse 6, For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. Let me ask you today, is there some bad news in our country going around? Absolutely there is. I don't know if you're like me, but there have been some days my wife and I have talked about it together. Oh, feeling discouraged. All this racial tension going on, rioting and looting that was happening. This pandemic that's hit our country, people out of work, struggling to make ends meet. But in all of that, I love what the challenge is here. It says, the righteous will never be moved no matter what hits your life. You're not going to turn your back on God. You're not going to walk away from God because you have this deep-seated conviction that you'll never walk away from, that there is a God who loves you and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And he stands unique in all of human history. No one else like him. And you know that. And no matter what happens to you, you'll never be moved. You'll never be moved. This is the core belief of your life. I used that word with the dad yesterday. I talked about, hey, you've got to build a foundation with your kid. You have to have a foundation in your life built. And and as a pastor, I believe it has to be built on God. This guy was, he said, oh, I'm not very religious. So I, I said, no, I understand that. But for me as a pastor, that foundation has to be God. Because when you're on a solid foundation, right? Jesus talked about it. The man that built his house on the sand, and when the storm came, it fell flat. But the man that built his house on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, when the storm came, like it says here in the text, when problems came, when bad things happened, he wasn't moved. This is what I believe. And God is going to help me through this problem and teach me new things about myself. So church today, during this Father's Day, Take time to honor fathers around you. But remember this, for all of us, connect deeply with the Lord. May we do that as a church. That you want to get deeper with God. You come here every Sunday because you want to connect with Jesus and lift him up with other brothers and sisters in the family of God. And I get it. The church is not perfect. I am not perfect. I'm a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. But together we experience the joy of God working in our lives and making us more like Jesus and finding out ultimately what the purpose and foundation is of our lives through Jesus Christ. Connect deeply with God. Pursue setting a godly example. Know that God's path leads to abundance in your life. Treat others with kindness. And lastly, run with endurance. Don't give up. Don't give up. What you have in your life in Jesus Christ is a treasure. Never lose it. Never give it up. Keep walking with the Lord. Amen, church? Amen. Let's bow our hearts in prayer today. As your hearts are bowed today, our prayer would be that today would be a day that we would rejoice in the plan of God. Fathers and mothers brought together to build a family that can honor Jesus Christ in everything. Not perfect families. None of them ever are but families that can reflect the reality of Jesus in us and that we handle problems differently because of Jesus. We face trials differently because of Jesus. We face the uncertain future differently because of our faith in an awesome God. And as a church, we come together every day to build one another up and encourage one another. Lord, we love you. 
Thank you for everyone that came out today. I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place changed people, more determined to live impactful lives for you. Lord, we love you. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand together and sing this song. I believe in God, our Father. I believe in Christ, the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I Amen. We believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. So good to have you here. Please greet one another and live this week. All for him. God bless you. Don't forget those offering boxes in the back if you haven't already. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody, if you are willing and able to and want to grab one of those chairs and bring it over to